This is the Final Fix Podcast. This is just real people having real conversations surrounding substance abuse and the way addiction impacts communities. We're three brothers who have experienced addiction through a family member. We each have unique perspectives to the same situation, and as we have healed through discussing, we want to share our experience and speak with others who have been affected by substance abuse. Our goal with this podcast is to spread awareness of the harm of substance abuse. To talk to real people about their experience and how they've healed and to learn more about the role that substance abuse plays in communities and families. We are not experts, just brothers who have had our own experiences around addiction and want to help others by facilitating conversations. Please be aware that some of these conversations may be difficult and triggering. Any episodes that feature adult content will be labeled as explicit and may not be appropriate for children. This is the Final Fix podcast. Um, So we've had a couple heavy hard-hitting episodes lately so we wanted to i don't want to say make it a little bit lighter but we wanted to take it uh just a different direction for an episode or two this will probably turn into a two-parter um actually i know it will we are going to be talking about a new show on netflix called painkillers um basically it's it's like a fictionalized um version of what happened with the uh, you know create creation of Oxycontin and the um, beginning of the opioid epidemic for, um, you know, for whatever it, for whatever it is, I guess it's, it's definitely fiction. It's dramatized. Um, but I think it does a really good job of telling the story. Um, and this is something that we just, we are watching kind of all at the same time, taking notes, thinking about things that jump out on us. Um, and I think that for anybody that's not familiar, I, I guarantee, you know, most of our, our listeners have some sort of relationship with drugs, alcohol, substance abuse. Um, so you're going to have a, a good idea, but for anybody that doesn't, um, I think that this is a good segue into what happened behind the scenes that caused such an epidemic as well as, um, it, it shows, you know, real life example of what can happen and how easily it is to go down um, the path of, of choosing, choosing these drugs, or uh, I guess letting these drugs get a hold of you would be a better uh, explanation of that. So just spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't seen the show yet, and you're listening to this episode, uh, we're going to ruin some things because we're just we're going to be talking about the show. So the first one, I think we're just doing the first three episodes and then we'll come back um, right now. It's a six part limited series. So we'll do the first three and then we'll come back um, probably in a week or two and have the next three um, to finish her out. One of the things I wanted to talk about uh, when it comes to like the dramatization of the show is right in the beginning of every episode, there is a disclaimer saying that Mm -hmm. this is based on a true story and that some of these events are, you know, you know, done up for dramatic effect and all that stuff. But every it's a different person every time. And they, you know, the first episode, the lady had a t-shirt with a picture of her son that she talks about that did actually overdose and die uh, from Oxycontin. And so I think that really jumped out to me because yes, it is really drama filled and it's obviously done up, but every single episode is a different person and it really shows like the effect of the events that happened. Um, and it's, it it really like dives deep into it on the show that it really, they, they don't really care, you know, like these, these are real people, but they don't really care. Like, yeah, I think it's like the, I was just talking to a buddy and I know he listens to this um, about like drinking and the monkey on your back that is drinking. It's like the, we, you, everybody has to realize that the system is set up against us. Like the system is literally set up for these people to profit off of normalizing drugs, normalizing drinking, normalizing, you know, nicotine and smoking and, and all these things. Like people make money off of the things that grab other people. And, um, I mean, that was one of the things when I sat down to watch the show, I was a little like, I know about it, but I, it's interesting, the things that I'm learning and, um, you know, Brooke and I had a conversation about, because she's in the healthcare world, like the, um, she was like, well, hopefully they don't make like the doctors, the bad guys, because a lot of these doctors didn't know. Um, and 
and I think it does a pretty good job of like it, it shows that you know the quote bad guys would be the pharmaceutical industry, um, like the doctors. Yeah, there are some, especially now, like the pill mills, like people that are just trying to make money. Um, but the at the time, it was like they were kind of going off of what they were told. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like I think the it is done up. It's dramatized for sure. But that at the beginning of each episode is powerful The because it is different people each time. And one of the ladies said like her kid took Oxy once. Once. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. It's, it's, a uh, it's depressing to watch your, you know, and there's a, they show a story about a guy who hurt his back. Um, you know, he's an owner of a mechanic shop. He hurts his back and nothing's working for him. He, he owns the shop. It's not doing well. And, you know, he gets on oxys and stuff and they, they advertise it as, you know, this great story. They televise it. They, you know, get hair and makeup, a whole film crew comes out and they want you to believe. And they did, you know, have us believe that this is the greatest thing since, you know, sliced bread. Like it is the end all be all for medicines. You know, it takes away your pain, you know. 12 hours, you're not going to get addicted to it and any of that stuff. And it's like, and it's for pure profit. Like these people do not matter to them. Like when they go back and talk about, uh, Arthur Sackler, I think that is the, yeah. uh, uncle the original founder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, she talks about how the procedures that he was doing, it was too one off, you know, once you do it once, what were you gonna say? Yeah, the so just side sidebar off that the um like it showed him in the beginning he was uh psychiatrist psychologist whatever whatever you want to call it the um the lobotomies that he's doing that's that's what that is they were such a like bullshit procedure um but like these doctors just wanted a quick fix like and so they they wanted that thing that's gonna fix you right now and so they. Bust, like that's showing like ice pick lobotomy. I can't remember the actual name of it, but it like goes through the eye and they just go in and they scramble some neurons. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. And, um, it, but it, it would kind of work sometimes. So that's why they kept doing it, but it, not enough to really justify it. And then I just listened to a different podcast that was talking about lobotomies, like the whole story behind them. And most of the time, these doctors would like do a five minute checkup after the procedure and then send you on your way. And as long as you never came back with an issue, they're like, yeah, it was a success. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. It's, it's just like, that's the way they think, you know, like our health was not to help us really. It was to give us a solution but knowing that we had to use their stuff for the solution, but, and it still would cause problems for us. Like, yeah. like watching this show. And there's a bunch of documentaries about this stuff. I know there was one on Netflix that was about a, a pharmacist that was kind of doing like that same thing, yeah. like making money, making profit off of selling these stuff. And it's just like so jarring and they do it so well, obviously it's dramatized, but they do it so well to where, they show that it is pure corporate greed. Like, yeah. and it's like, that's crazy. That that's our health. Like that is our healthcare people, you know? Well, the, like one of the standout things to me is like how they advertise the drugs. And like, this is like the start of them advertising the drugs. <laughs> um, and there's so many countries in the world where that's illegal. Like it's illegal yeah. to advertise drugs. And that's what they talked about. Like in part of the show, um, they described that the people were coming into the office asking about this because the way it was advertised is like, this is the drug you never knew you needed. And this will help like, and they show the, um, the pain scale on like, um, I can't remember what drug they were talking about, but it's like, if you were an uh, eight to 10, like they would give you this. And he's like, so we're going to open morphine. Yeah. Morphine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're an eight to 10, you're going to be here, but this we're going to advertise to people from four to 10. You shouldn't be feeling any pain in your life. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just mind boggling that, like you said, the, the reps that were sent in, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't running a pharmaceutical company. He was running a pharmaceutical company, but it was showmanship, right? Like, yeah. It was an advertising company that sold yeah, drugs. Yeah, and it was like they even—I think they verbatim say that there's no greater 
feeling as a man to watch another man take money out of their wallet and hand it to you. There's no, there's no bigger sense of power than to have somebody hand you their money. And, um, and if you can get people to do that, then that's when you become successful or, or however they say it. But it, he, it wasn't looking for, um, they were looking for a way out of debt. They realized that they had nothing and they're like, we need to do something or we're going to fold as a company. And so the, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say the, um, the highlight of the first episode was really that, like, how do we market and advertise that you should never feel any sort of pain. And before we even watch this as Brooke and I were talking about it, like she talked about, um, this is the time where like you have the, the vital signs that, that uh, providers look for. It's like, I mean, I don't actually know. It's like you're breathing, your heart rate, blood pressure or whatever. Um, but this is when they made pain that fifth vital sign. It's like, and, um, I was talking to you guys about this before the podcast, but I know another podcaster that has a great mullet. I don't know if we can even like say his name, but, uh, he had a interview with a coroner um, and they were talking about this, like at this time, hospitals were starting to do these surveys before people left. Like, did we take care of your pain? And Mm -hmm. if we didn't like, then that hospital would get a a negative mark. And so then they're just giving these, they have started looking at that pain and like, all right, we have to completely get rid of this pain when it's like, no, like pain is sometimes part of the normal healing process. Like you just have to, you know, work through some of it. Um, But like, that was for me, like the first episode was really that highlight of how can they take this and start to change it in a way that, that markets to that pain. Um, Yeah. Well, I think that another thing that this show in the first couple episodes highlighted the fact that their needs, and I don't know if they've made changes since I, we're not all the way through and I don't know what changes have been made, but um, even when I was in high school and um, when I broke my ankle and they gave me Vicodin for that, uh, I ended up, you know, I think I took one and then I never took it again, but um, I think I took it. Yeah. Uh, I remember like, I had it one time and mom like, let me have one of your, yeah. it was, I don't no, well, I had Vicodin and then I had like the extra strength hydro, hydrocodone or whatever it was. It was like the extra strength Tylenol or uh, anyways. Yep. But the, the crazy thing was like, I remember the doctor, my surgeon telling me, okay, I'm going to prescribe you this. And then, uh, it was like a one-time refill and that was it. And he said, but if you go to your primary care doctor and you sell them, it still hurts. Like they'll give you more. And I'm like, okay. And, and I'm watching the show and I'm that girl that's like on crutches and uh is in the one doctor's office but he didn't believe in the med the he didn't he knew he was smarter than to believe the lies or whatever and then you see her later in the episode going to another doctor that gave it to her back then people you could just go to seven different doctors and say i'm having xyz and you could get seven prescriptions and you yeah. could just fill them with seven different ph- there was no there's no overlap there was, there was no, no controlled substance list no there was, there was yeah. no tracking there was no way to know like you know, there was nobody monitoring it at the time. So you could just go get this massive amount of pills. And that was, I think that was going into the second episode. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I have some notes on that, but Mm -hmm. before, like I want to, before we leave the first episode, I want to, the, how it finishes the picture of him digging under the disgusting dusty ass oven, like for a single pill. I mean, he didn't get at that point. He was like, the later on he does get it but um the picture like the camera angle is him trying to find under the oven this single pill that dropped and it was just disgusting um it was like to me i was like there's no way he's gonna get that and so like the fact that it cuts off and later on he does but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just wild so that was that was all just the first episode um the second episode gets into more of like they're past the, how are we going to do this? And they're starting like, we're doing this. This is what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. Dominic's got a cat doing fucking karate in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, yeah, you were talking about her going into the first doctor's office and uh, he was like, I'm not giving heroin to people with, you know, arthritis. Like, <laughs> And yeah. uh, 
And then he's like being very polite because there are patients there, but he's like walking her to the door. And then he's like, you're a fucking drug dealer with a ponytail and like slams the door on her. I was just like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're literally selling drugs like a magazine prescription. Yeah. Well, and there's just like a hundred percent flat out lying, right? Like it's, yeah. they're, they're just, they're lying. And, um, you know, I don't remember, I think it was the last episode. So we'll, we'll wait on talking about like what happens when that rep starts realizing those things. Right. And yeah. she makes notes of it, but, um, they, yeah, they just did everything they could to hide it and lie about it. And, um, yeah. Well, it wasn't Arthur Sack. It was Richard Sackler. So as much as it says that like names are changed and stuff, those names are true. Those are right. the actual pharma, like Purdue pharma, uh, right. presidents. Um, one of them in the beginning of the episode literally said, it doesn't matter if it's true. It only matters if people believe it's true. And this is when they start, um, sidebar, like with, I, I was thinking about this with how much we rely on the approval of things. Like mm -hmm. there's a, there's a big piece of this where they're working on the FDA approval. And I just was thinking about like the COVID vaccines and stuff and like how much we still are like, we'll believe anything that has yeah. the government's seal of approval on it. Like that's a whole other thing, but it's just amazing to me that this got the FDA seal of approval because it only had to be of success of one guy and they yeah. mooched him and then he went and worked for him. Like it just, it's crazy. Well, yeah, and the, the wording, Oh, yeah. sorry. No, no, go for it. The wording, like she breaks it down. Like it's, it's brought up multiple times. It says is believed. Yeah. And that is the only thing you need. And it's like once, like, and this is obviously a historical show. It's, it's talking about a moment in history, but it's like this moment in history is when our, you know, our healthcare, our prescriptions turned into a game of profit. And like, mm -hmm. and it's going to show, I feel like going into the next, the last three episodes is the effects more going into the effects is even in the third episode, the end of it is crazy. Um, it shows this point in history is where our healthcare system turned into a pure profit and marketing like uh, like thing right like yeah that's a what money making machine to. like yeah we'll never know what i mean we'll never know it's just common folk what uh what actual medicine is out there we won't yeah. i mean there's too much money in treating symptoms of sickness not curing them right so yeah We'll never, we'll never know. And I think that's, that's, this is one of those situations is they, like you said, Dom, it's the, is believed. It's like, she says, it's like believed by who, right? Yeah. Like they don't have to, they didn't have to prove anything. They just, it was, is believed. And then the doctor, when he goes back in because his 20 milligrams or whatever he was taking, wasn't working anymore. He said, can I take him more than 12 hours? And he, she, he said, no, the, the folks at the FDA say it has to do the time release. It has to be 12 hours. And, you know, there's people there that have a lot smarter than me that made those decisions. And that's what they say. And so like, no, like, not even questioning it. He's a doctor yeah. and he's just like, well, this is what they say. So, yeah. And I think that's just a failure on the entirety of the system. Cause like, again, coming from the perspective of my wife being in that position, like mm -hmm. as a nurse practitioner making those calls, like I know what her workload is and I know what she continues to like, try to make sure she's on top of shit. But like, sometimes it's like when new stuff comes out, you go off the literature, you go off the, whatever studies are available. I mean, that was one of the things is like the, um, I was kind of questioning was like the FDA approval process and, and they were at first kind of pushing back, like, this isn't right. This isn't right. Like, and looking at these studies because this like Purdue Pharma is the one putting on these studies for their drug. So where's the peer review process there? Um, right. but, but like, I don't necessarily like, I don't want to villainize the medical providers no, per no, se. No. Like, I think that there is, you know, like I know, um, like there's definitely pill mills out there. There's definitely like clinics that don't give a shit. They're just pushing out drugs, but, um, and getting kickbacks. But I think that there is a very real 
almost like when we talked about it with the police officers we had on, like the mm -hmm. expectations of our providers is probably too high. Like we expect them to be experts in all of these different things. Um, right. And well, it's just impossible. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not trying to villainize the doctor, but I'm saying that they're, that's how easy it was. They were given yeah. literature that says X, Y, and Z. And as medical professionals are given this, this information, um, that they understand because it's what's put in front of them, like a percentage of, uh, you know, less than 1% addictive and delayed time release and the codings on these things. They're given all this medical jargon that they understand and makes sense, but it was all a lie. Yeah. So did he, did he OD yeah. in the second episode or the third episode? Second episode. I think, okay. I think it was at the, maybe it was the third episode because the end of the second episode is him or is that the end of the first oh, episode? Sorry. That's, so, no, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I just, the, um, the fact that some providers like that one that was like, no, you guys are drug dealers with ponytails. And then there's some providers who are like, this is the information we're giving and it looks legit or given and it looks legit. Yeah. Um, so some doctors really dug into it and some didn't. And, um, you know, it's just, I feel like the biggest part was the FDA. I mean, really, yeah, yeah. that was the biggest. Um, like well, you said, oh, sorry. No, go for it. Go ahead. Um, like you said, Jordan, it's like they, he went and worked for them after, you know, they, like yeah. this whole, this whole, <laughs> this whole like process and, and how the system's set up, right? It's set up, the FDA is the end all say all, you know, that's who you're supposed to trust. That is the, that is who the literature is put out by them. And that's who you're supposed to trust. Right. But it's like Purdue played the man. They played yeah. the guy in front of them. They saw he was pushing back. And like she says, and obviously this could be dramatized. So it, you know, the show's more riveting, whatever, but they found the one guy who gave a shit and that wouldn't just, you know, write it off. Yeah. They used CIA tactics to get him. Like they yeah. used what, what the CIA uses. Like, I mean, obviously all this stuff has been out for a long time. So like a lot of people think like, Oh, like they understand how military does things or CIA or, you know, whatever. But like, there's definitely common knowledge you can go find. They used what the CIA used to flip people to, to flip him into their hand. And then, um, like I, I'm pretty sure most of it has used actual testimony and stuff from what has happened in history. Um, because as I was digging more into the backstory of um, Curtis Wright was that guy's name, he literally did work at FDA and then he had, he was, um, Oh man, why am I forgetting the word? Uh, he was brought in to no to, uh, to speak on the case. Um, oh, oh uh, like in oh, court? Uh, the post. The post. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm assuming that they're, they're using a lot of this, uh, but there was like a, a three day stint where they put him up in a hotel and like, they have no idea what happened there, but then afterwards it was approved. And then a year after it was approved, he was working at Purdue Pharma. So like, I mean that, that to me screams, right, and Coke, you know, yeah, that, that screams like either we got something on you or like, we're making you the biggest deal of your life. And it's just so striking with like the military stuff, how many people are like, get out as high up military leaders and then go work at these contractors. They get these guys, all these big contracts, and then they get out of the military and all of a sudden they're on the board of those people that they got big contracts. Like that shit yeah. happens all the time with our bureaucracy. The There is some sort of, in my mind, I think there has to be some sort of... Um like NDA something happened where he, when he flipped over, he could no longer hurt their company. Right. So they know they did wrongdoing the minute they could poach him and he was now working for them. He could not like expose them. Right. Or shut yeah. it down or whatever it may be. Um, so there's, there's that side of it. If they bring him in and keep him close, then they have less to worry about knowing that they did something wrong. So I guess the last thing that I have on episode two, and we can kind of move on to the OD and the big pieces of episode three. Um, I feel like they highlighted the plush pill uh, <laughs> quite a bit. And it's like, you know, you know what we need to sell this schedule one narcotic, a stuffed toy. 
I think they even like said that like toys stuffed in China sent to the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. to for all the drug reps, and like that part of it is so true. Like Brooke tells me about the drug reps that come by their office trying to tell them like what they need to prescribe and stuff, and like bringing them lunch and bringing them stuff. And I'm sure there's rules to it, but it's like um, the fact that that exists. Like here's our drug. Like this is. I, I don't know. And, and these people have no medical background or like very little medical background. Most of the time they are mm-hmm. just like they show in the show, like people just recruited to do this job that are good at selling shit. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to bring up. One last thing on episode two, they talk about um, when they're talking about the FDA process, they were, uh, I don't remember the exact wording he uses, but when he's talking about the mice and they, the fact that none of the mice died yeah meant that the drug was safe but they were showing full withdrawal system like they were having full-on withdrawals from not getting the medication so there was like all these other things but the fda cared about well is it killing people well the answer is no the medicine won't kill you when used as prescribed it won't kill you but they don't talk about it's the gray area they don't talk about the fact that one, you're going to abuse the shit out of it because it's highly addictive and that will kill you. Yeah. But in a controlled environment, the mice were getting it. They weren't dying, but they were having severe withdrawals. And the same yeah. with the human studies. But they weren't, in the human studies, they weren't, human studies weren't to see if it caused withdrawals or psychotic episodes or freakouts or whatever they were doing. It was just human trials to see if the drug would kill them. And the answer was no, it's not killing them. So, okay, yeah. it's safe then. And that's like, that's where you say they're only giving the FDA the. Pr- the information that they have to and leaving out all the other stuff. And then I'm pretty sure what actually threw me and I want to go back and I want to listen to the very beginning. So uh, when they're talking about the companies that Arthur Sackler owned and he first bought or when he died, they were like divvying up the companies. One of them was some, 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 some journal of medicine. And then when she's in there talking to the doctor, she quotes, she's like, well, you're going to have to take that up with the blah, 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 Journal of Medicine. And I'm curious if that is the same company that Purdue Pharma owned, right? So if Purdue, oh, Pharma, if Purdue Pharma owned that Journal of Medicine and then their reps are quoting that Journal of Medicine, of course it's going to say it's safe. Yeah. And so that's just like... He also makes up the approval of the doctors, like fake doctors he puts. Yeah. Like, the... like, there was, yeah. like what? Like what? It's so, that's so crazy to me. He's she's like these doctors did not exist. It's you know like those toothpaste commercials. It's like nine out of ten dentists you know recommend this, and it's like what nine out of ten dentists? Yeah, they have they. You literally can say anything you want. Like you have you don't have to have any backing to that. You can say whatever shit you want, mm-hmm. and there's nothing that's holding you to that line. Uh, right. Going into episode three, one of the like quotes that I have uh, because he the guy that we're following that was just a normal person that ended up using this using um and starting to abuse he od'd at the end of episode two he woke up in episode three um and the quote is like they're arguing with the er doc because she's saying that he's an addict and um the wife is like no uh, our doctor told us that it's only addictive in one percent of patients and she's like well i have a room full of one percent like the ER's full, yeah. The ER's full yeah. of one, the one percent, yeah. Um, which it might be true because they, to be honest with you, they absolutely mass produce this. So maybe that the fact that it went to so many, the number of people that got it was so high that the the number of people that were having issues was maybe one percent. But yeah. the fact that it went out to millions of people immediately for headaches and you know, um, yeah. Just... Well, as as we're following the story, I guess like the the beginning part of it, there's a um, former, or I don't know if she's former, she might still, uh, but she worked for the um, district, not district attorney. What is he? Um, man, I wish that I would have made some better notes <laughs> with like titles no. and stuff. No, um, oh, it's the yeah, the attorney general. Attorney general, yep. Yeah. And she's basically saying like how she dug into all of this stuff and like tried to raise the flags of it happening because she caught a doctor in a lie about how many uh, X-rays he had done, and mm-hmm. then she was like, "Is there anything else you need to tell me?" And he said, "No." And as she's looking at her stuff, she's like, she catches that oxy has been prescribed so much, and she's like, "This is all bullshit." And he's like, "No, it's not." And he like 
goes and starts showing her. And that's what kind of opens this whole thing up. It's like, no, like that was really happening. Like every other person that was coming in was starting to get prescribed this. And it was just, again, like people see something on TV and they go to the doctor and they're like, I want to try this because I think this will help me. Right. And that was the thing. It was all marketing. People were, it it became, it happened so fast because people were coming in and asking for it Yeah, because it was marketed in that way. Well, and then, you know, for the reps, the people going in talking to these old white men doctors, you have these hot young, you know, just mm -hmm. out of college girls, like, of course, they're going to be sexualizing it and doing whatever they need to do. And it's like, there's just so many layers to it. That's, it's disgusting. I mean, they're literally like at a meeting talking about Oxy and how, you know, they need to, you know, you're helping your patients by giving them Oxy because they won't be in pain anymore, you know? And, you know, the girl sees one of the doctors and she's like, oh, how are you doing? And she goes and gives him a hug and he like grabs her ass, like full on cups. And it's like, you're going to have to do what you need to do to get ahead. And that's that's anything. He's like, you want to get your milligrams up? That's what you have to do. She said, doctors are your family but they might be your creepy uncle too. Yep. And it's yep. like, like, that's really like, that's how we're treated. You know, like we're not people anymore. We're milligrams to them. Yeah. Like ruin your life. OD in a restaurant while you're biting your finger. Cause you're so out of it. And mm-hmm. you know, to them, you're just the amount of milligrams that they prescribe. So they get their money up. Yeah. And the, yeah. their justification was there's always going to be drug addicts, right? Yeah. Like she sees the girl in the, in the car yeah. and she's like telling her the story. She's like, well, yeah, there's always going to be drug addicts before you, before Oxycontin and, and after Oxycontin, there's always going to be drug addicts. And it's like, yeah. Yes. True. And no, but you don't have to contribute to it. Right. Yeah. You're yeah, a part that, of the problem. <laughs> that got me. It was like, she's like baffled by this because the girl that was faking it was just like her. Like, I mean, you could say a couple of years before was just like her, um, and she was like, "Oh, you saw some drug addicts doing drugs." It's like, no, I saw somebody that looked just like me doing drugs. That like, the quote unquote, like you wouldn't think is right. is doing this, abusing this, and it's like, well, you just, I don't say you don't know any better, but like, it's just such an un heroin wrapped in a time release capsule marketed in a way that's going to fix all of your problems like Mm -hmm. and they just get to do this and it's you know i I was gonna wait a little bit but this is this was crazy to me so um and doing a little bit of research so all this happened however long ago but um they didn't actually have to bring this to a head until 2019 so all this stuff happened almost the red flags were presented like six months after this stuff came out and yeah. before anything actually happened, it was on the market for 20 years. Yeah. I think they originally started having trials in like Oh four Oh five, but yeah. there was no convictions until yeah, 2019 because they, they filed for bankruptcy in 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah. Purdue well, because well, it's they had so many lawsuits coming at them for this. Yeah, so exactly. In July of this year, 2023, a court approved Purdue's bankruptcy plan, which require them to, which require the Sacklers to pay out six billion dollars to help address. So all they have to do, and this is where it's fucked, in my opinion, they had to pay six billion dollars to get their bankruptcy approved, and all it is to is to help address the fallout of the opioid crisis. But the more controversial part of it is in the settlement, they were able to negotiate that it shielded the Sacklers from all the opioid lawsuits. Wait, so... So the Sacklers are not, they had to pay $6 billion to help address the fallout of the opioid crisis. So to who? Who does the $6 billion yeah, what go to? The six, yeah, what is this actually doing? Because, but in their contract, the settlement would also shield the Sacklers from all opioid lawsuits. I feel like the show will have to get more into this. Like towards the end, because she talks about when she's meeting with these other people that are like putting together this lawsuit, essentially, um, basically like I've seen this before, they just get out of it or, you know, whatever. And that's when she has uh, Richard Sackler on testimony, like the video of his testimony where he's, he's being in talk and she's like, how did you get Richard Sackler? Like it's this whole thing. Kind of back to his overdose. So he overdoses and then it kind of warps back to 
when he first got the pills and he was taking them and he dropped that one that you talked about at the end end of the first episode, he drops the one pill under the stove and he never got it. And so it was kind of at that point, it was like, whatever, it's just a pill. And then it got to the point where he's now highly addicted and he can't find his pills. um, And he's like, there's one under the stove and he starts ripping his kitchen apart. He tips his stove over just to get the one. Yeah, he breaks his stove because he knows that, you know, pulls it away from the wall, whatever to get that one pill, um, which I think is what contributed to the overdose because he took yeah. that one pill that night. And then the next morning he got his, or the kid gave him back. Yeah, the, he took the one. And so this, we haven't even talked about this. His stepson had been stealing the pills to sell to, or to take to his girlfriend or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And his stepson had had his pills and that's why he couldn't find them and started freaking out having his withdrawal. Right. Um, so he took the one and then his stepson brought him a bottle and he took another one. Mm-hmm. And those were both 80 milligrams. So he had, yeah. yeah. Um, so he overdosed. Or and then I'm overdosed. sure he took another one in the morning because that was right. the night that he came back from uh, that event where they were like showing his story. Mm-hmm. That he so. was a success story because he... Yeah was able to small business, you know, manipulating the situation. But. As he's actively struggling with addiction. Yeah. But um, to touch kind of to segue on that, the the morgue uh, thing that we, you know, you had oh. talked about before. So the overdoses, um, when she's in there and they're doing the autopsy and they cut the stomach open and there was like six pills and she's like, yeah, she's like, these are 40 milligrams or whatever. And she's like, this isn't even the record. She's like, it's usually what, eight to 10 or, you know, whatever. And then she's yeah, like, I think 17 was the yeah, record. I think, yeah. She's like in X County, somebody had 17, you know, um, in their stomach. So that wasn't yeah. even the part that like, I mean, that was crazy, but then the, the sheriff walked back, mm-hmm. in, walked in and was like, I got two more for you. And she was like, wait, two more, two more of this. She's like, yep. Uh, one of this and this again. And then there's this, and then this again, and then this, and then like every single person that was coming into that morgue was overdosing on Oxycontin. Yeah. I I really like her character and I don't think that she's a real person, I doubt, but showing her like go from, you know, this innocent, more innocent person and then showing her like kind of delving into the sales part of it like oh who cares about this stuff you know and then towards the end of the third episode she's like oh yeah i took notes because some of these people in these doctor's offices trying to get oxy like they should not be having it like at mm-hmm. all and yeah. then she's and the you know her mentor who got her into this is like you know I'll, I'll take your notes don't you worry about that and then it shows her going to the you know big building the big purdue pharma building and i don't think it shows what happens yet no but i mean just for her being a human making an observation that these people look pretty healthy uh you know it doesn't really look like they should be taking this you know heroin in a pill is that's frowned upon like it's so crazy to me that well, it's the same thing as the FDA guy, basically. I think what they're going to do is they realize that she's catching on, so they're going to try to pull her even closer and give her more money and give her a promotion. We'll see, obviously, yeah. but um, they're just going to try to get her as close as possible. And, you know, I am i wouldn't be surprised if they had people killed. And, you know, I, I, we, we'll oh, never man. know. But I, I personally think out of this whole thing that if we've learned a lesson, it's that no private company should be able to manufacture narcotics. It should be a public company that's regulated way more heavily. And I think it, I mean, I'm sure they've made changes, but yeah, uh, the fact that it was a private company was, or, uh, you know, privatized healthcare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. For, for profit company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the whole thing is wild. And like we, you know, this is just the first three episodes and it's just diving into like the backstory on one drug. Um, (laughs) So it's like, there's just so much out there that we don't really know. We may never know because, um, you know, we only know what is allowed to be known, I guess. Yeah. And the more that I study history, the more I question those in authority. (laughs) Um, Oh, absolutely. So I, we, I know we've talked about it before. I plan on doing like a whole, um, 
backstory on like the war on drugs and stuff like this that just expedites it, makes it so much, um, you know, we had a full-fledged war on drugs going on and then this happens. So right. it's like you can talk about crack cocaine all you want, um, but then some white people are doing Oxycontin and it doesn't get brought up for however long. Well, yeah, I mean, the crack cocaine epidemic, I mean, there's just so much to unpack there, but it basically, you know, flooding the low-income areas uh, purposely to keep that exactly what it was. And yeah. uh, they, she she talks about the um, attorney general lady, she talks about, uh, she brings in all these charts, right? And she's like, look at the rise in crime, the car thefts, the burglaries, the all these things and she's like matching all these graphs up from the current uh like oxycontin yeah. she's matching them all up to the crack cocaine in la and we're talking la new york uh chicago all these places these major metro cities and then she's like and look at and now we're looking at oxycontin just in these rural areas of and the arcs are the exact same like we're yeah. having this is another crack cocaine, crack cocaine epidemic in a rural community but with the same crime rate numbers as la like there's a problem yeah and yeah just so we'll I see just what looked, that goes, but i just looked up um Edie flowers is, is her name she's uh loosely based on a few people she's what's called a composite character so she's not like Viet Sacklers and um, Curtis Wright, those are all actual people in the story. She's like a composite of a few different people that kind of raised flags saying mm -hmm. something's messed up here. Yeah, right. She's so, great. She's really She good. is. The actress is really good. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, I mean, she's from, she's Crazy Eyes from uh, Orange is the New Black. <laughs> yeah. That was the first thing I wrote down and we didn't, I didn't even say it like, Matthew Broderick looks old as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, kind of, what? Who? Yeah. Who's that? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I'm interested. So there's another show um, on Hulu that's, it's literally the exact same thing. The Hulu one was first and I watched the first episode of that. And the, the there's actually a lot of the same characters in both shows. Like uh, there's two or three of the actors that played in both shows. Okay. Um, so same actors even, uh, but they are, that show might be a little bit harder to follow, I think, in my opinion, because just the first episode, they jump back and forth. They like start in 1987 and then they go to like 2011 and then they go to 2005 and then they go to, and they're showing you the eight year, but it's just like so much back and forth. So I was like, oh man, this is kind of hard to follow. So I'm glad yeah. we're doing this one first. <laughs> yeah. And we can do more things like this if people enjoy it. And I mean, even just for us talking about it, I think it's good to understand some of these nuances on a deeper level yeah and it's like it helps realize um that the quote-unquote there's always going to be a drug addict is a stigma because yeah sure there's always going to be a drug addict but like how much of it was facilitated by unknowing doctors and big pharma and it's a massive number right how many yeah. lives are ruined and it's not because they were a drug addict it's, because because, it's hard not to be a drug addict when you're prescribed heroin. Yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, you know, so we talk about, um, you know, these people that have been, have been or are still addicts for 25 years and it started because of a back injury. It's like, okay, well, they're not, you can classify them as a drug, drug addict now maybe because they went from a prescription to street heroin, but like it was the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. So. I mean, I one of their success stories is, you know, he overdoses, right? And then he says, you know, all right, I'm throwing this away. He flushes it down the toilet and then goes to his doctor and goes and gets more. Like, yeah, right. that is one of their success stories that they had a, you know, film crew come out, went to this big, you know, meeting expo thing to advertise, oh, this is why Oxycontin is so good. And is literally going through the, you know, first stages of addiction. I mean, he overdosed and now mm -hmm. he's lying to his family saying, you know, this is it guys like no more, you know, and lying to his family and getting more of the drug yeah. that, you know, they say is less than 1% addictive. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. And his wife makes a comment that says, you know, the doctor, the doctor, um, 
says that you have to taper off this. And he's like, well, the doctor doesn't know me, right? Well, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting <laughs> statement because now, you know, now your family doesn't know you because you're a different person. So, yeah, the, uh, I just went to, to look up to see if he was based on a real, a real person. Cause that would be, I mean, kind of powerful too, but, um, again, it's a composite character based on a few stories that they have found in the mix. So I didn't, I didn't know if he was specifically like a real person, um, telling the story, but side note, yeah. did you guys catch the fact that they paid their reps on the milligrams that they yeah. sold? Not the, not the amount of doctors that they could have. It was how many milligrams that the, um, doctors prescribed. So it wasn't about getting the doctor. It was also about pushing the highest dose possible, which for the average person that goes in and they get 80 milligrams, like when a standard dose should be 10 or whatever he said, like, you know, you need to be giving them if they're, you know, I don't know you're doing a disservice to your patient. It's like, <laughs> you just, yeah, the greed is unreal. Well, and they even talk about the, um, like the one doctor, is adamant about the 12 hour thing. And that's how it was marketed was it was a 12 hour drug, but they knew intentionally that time release didn't last for 12 hours. So you would start having pain again, which would cause you to go seek a higher dose. Right. Right. And, and then again, that still wouldn't cover the 12 hours. So then you were yeah. taking on, you know, it was just the risk of abuse was very high. It was not. Oh. And, but they didn't have to, um, disclose that. Yeah. And they got to choose the studies they sent to the FDA and then they got to advertise and they, they have drug, like there's just so much that's wrong. Like it's hard to find the one thing that you would change, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it's, it shows the system is broken, you know, like, yeah. and a lot of it comes down to resources. Like we don't have time to run all these same tests in, you know, those facilities that they do, they present us the facts and, you know, we hope that it's true. Like, and then that's what it gives approves off of. And it's like, it's, you know, it all comes down to that. Like when we really think about it is like the resources we have, you know, the funding, the, you know, amount of people we have in it. It's like, say you get addicted to oxy and you know, you go, you try to get, you try to detox from it, you know? I don't know if it's necessarily a medical detox. I know some are medically detox and some you can do on your own, but you know, we went to the Linwood city council thing and how many beds was it? Was it 37 or 13 in the uh, county for, for detox? Yeah. There's like 13. Yeah. Th there's 13 beds for detox, you know, and it's not 13 for, for a that's, million that's people. not private healthcare. That's, that's like what the county can provide to like homeless yeah. essentially. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, obviously there's whatever with all that, but you are set up to lose. You have people, you have the FDA person being bought. You have these people saying, okay, we up the milligrams, we up all this so they can get addicted and they know what's going to happen. And you get addicted and you try to get help and you're fucked. You're, you are not going to get help in the way that you should, that you're set up to do. Yeah. And all it takes is a back injury at work. Like, or you get hurt by something so simple. And it's like, these people, these were kids at a time, you know, like, yeah. and these were children that grew up and something happened to them. They were, you know, they have trauma or they get hurt at work. And these people through greed, through money, set them up so that they have a heroin pill that was so easy to get that you could go anywhere and get it. And yeah. like all it took was these fucking girls in, you know, small dresses to get these doctors to get you more milligrams to you so that you could essentially ruin your fucking life. Like well, it flooded the, and it flooded the market so fast. I think, I don't know if they talk about it in the show, but uh, a book I was reading at one point, Oxy was cheaper to get on the street. So it's like, okay, it's cheaper and easier to get it on the street and there's not going to be anyone monitoring how many you take. And, you know, you have to worry about getting a prescription refill in time because you've already taken your whole prescription. Right. So yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. The lingo fucking, well, it's safe, you know, under medical observation. Yeah. Like anything is safe under medical you know, supervision. Like, yeah. fuck, man, that's so irritating because 
that is the lingo that they use and it is legal like it yeah. is technically legal and it's like that's the most fucking irritating thing because you go down in our major cities and people are addicted to things that are you know that could technically be fucking safe under medical supervision yeah. like that's fucking ridiculous yeah it's especially talking to all of these people that have been addicted or even well i was sick for one of the police officers we did but even talking to him like there is an issue that no one knows how to solve because it is so apparent everywhere yeah. constantly and you have all these different i don't know like the u.s is so beautiful and the fact that there is like the states can make rules and also the federal government like but it's so hard because everybody thinks that they know what the answer is and nobody like there i don't think there is a set answer i mean no no that's that's the hard part you know we're gonna watch the next three and uh kind of talk about the rest of the show um unless you guys have anything else you want to speak on um well we have sheree and malik next week so Mm -hmm. that'll be another you know more traditional episode uh part two to them and i had actually talked to them couple days ago and i'm very excited about this episode because it is very eye-opening and showing to who they are now as and it's kind of a part of the reason behind that you know um so yeah that's stay tuned look forward to that because i'm very much looking forward to that yeah so that'd be awesome we'll have we'll have them um i know we have another one so whenever we do part two it could be a couple weeks from now so give gives you some time to watch the show um kind of catch up to where we're at watch the end of it um and we'll kind of we'll kind of do this at the end um again too and get uh the last three episodes and then i i I really do want to dig into like the fda process and how that's changed and we can kind of do some more digging on the background of some of this stuff specifically with oxy and purdue pharma um Mm -hmm. the discussing things that they did all right so that was another episode um just want to let you guys know we appreciate the listen and uh, we love you if you or anyone you know are struggling with addiction please reach out to the national substance abuse hotline at 1-800-662-4357 for additional help and remember you're not alone